postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed. So I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. Hey, Adriana here. 
I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening. I'm Adriana Lozada, and this is Birthful, here to inform your intuition. I would picture being in a field in like Tuscany, you know, kind of like if you ever seen the gladiator, just that beautiful golden hour. And I pictured a weeping willow tree and I was holding my baby under this tree. And when it got hard, I, I would literally close my eyes and go there or I would go to the clouds. That was amazing new mom Taylor Walker sinning, sharing one of the visualizations that got her through labor. Now, even though at some points things were incredibly intense, her hypnobirthing practice and having trained for labor like you train for a marathon made it the dream birth she was looking for. Now, postpartum, that was another matter altogether. Hi, I'm Taylor Walker sinning, and my pronouns are her and she. I identify as a mixed-race biracial woman. I am a mother. I am a personal trainer, nutrition coach, and social media advocate for equality. Welcome, Taylor. It is lovely to have you here. I can't wait to hear about your story. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. And before we get deep into the how your baby boy was born, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I right now I'm living in Miami, originally from New York. I'm a former PE teacher. I taught ninth grade PE. And when my husband proposed, we actually found ourselves moving to Oregon. So I left my teaching job and had to kind of reinvent myself a few times over. So I was a professional dancer for years and ended up getting back into that space and working with brands as a fitness model. And from there, started to acquire certifications in fitness because I knew that there was going to be life after both chapters. Um, And I eventually wanted to be a mom and be able to be home with my kids, but also work and do something I'm passionate about. Once I became a mom, I also added pre-postnatal fitness into my armor of training. And now I'm just a holistic health coach, a personal trainer, a group fitness trainer, and mama. That is awesome. So (laughs) you said your son just turned two. Let's take you back to when you were pregnant. And at that point, what was your approach to pregnancy? What were your wishes? Lots of wishes. My wishes was just to bring a baby into the world healthy, just like many moms. But because my focus and my area of expertise is in fitness and wellness, I actually started my pre-postnatal training the second I got pregnant because I was like, I want to learn really what is happening in my body. How can I continue to train safely? What are the benefits of training? So I was able to tailor my workouts and my training to my growing body and changing body. And you know, a lot changes very quickly. Very fortunately, I wasn't extremely sick. I hate to admit that sometimes. So I was actually able to progress throughout my pregnancy and work out up to week about 38. Um, And then it was just waddling down the street from that point on. But I think my approach to pregnancy was just my approach to life. It's like, how can we approach it in a realistic way where my diet and my workout routine doesn't feel like work. It feels like brushing my teeth. Of course, I opened the books. I Googled everything. I downloaded all the apps because I wanted to know what does this child need from me? And a lot isn't about popping pills. It's a lot we can get from a refrigerator. So it's whole foods, eating from the earth, eating pizza when I felt like it, because you know those carb cravings in the beginning are real and just embracing the change. Excellent. Okay. So you went deep into 
in your wheelhouse, your fitness, your core, your focusing on what you were eating and giving this baby and yourself the best nutrients. What else did you start preparing for? And and as you looked to that birth experience, what were you looking to achieve? I think when I really started to kind of take a deeper dive into what I was putting into my body, it was really eye-opening on so many levels because all of a sudden you realize you're building a skeleton and you're building a lungs and a brain. And what does that look like for your child? So it started to open up this other journey for me. Like, what are the other layers? What are my options for birthing this baby? And how am I going to heal after this baby comes out into the world. So I actually, there's a great location in Miami. It's called Amazing Births and Beyond. They offer hypnobirthing, uh, breastfeeding classes, acupuncture, pre-postnatal chiropractic. So that was really my mecca for how do I want to bring this baby into the world? So when I signed up for hypnobirthing and I started reading the Mongan Method and the books and I, I got laughed at. I mean, my family was like, what are you thinking? Why, why are you going to do this? Just get the epidural, you know, but as a health professional and someone who is so in tune with her body, I wanted to see what is going to benefit my baby and what are my options? Really? I think I should say options because safety is key. You just want to get this baby out safely. However you bring the baby into the world, it is totally your mom, like your decision. But when we went to the hypnobirthing class and I was seeing these testimonials and I was actually seeing videos of these beautiful births that were unmedicated using the power of the breath. And the power of the breath is something that I harness every day in my work in fitness. So I thought to myself, if my body is able to do this, what does the other side look like? So that is that really the area that I started to explore. Long story long, food as fuel and really the the breath work and the Mongan method of hypnobirthing. And I know that the experience of having that pushback from people around you and family members and society and cultural norms of why don't you just do it this way, right? That tends to be, pregnancy tends to be a, a, a time of in life where people think they can they're invited to tell you their opinion <laughs> and that they know best over your body, right? <laughs> Instead of how about we treat birthing people as the experts in their own body and their own experience. But so how did you navigate that? How do you, do you deal with those comments? Because that's always a difficult thing to do. It is. It is. And especially for someone who isn't in a space of their body, right? Like if that's not your job, how you, you trust your doctor, right? To give you the best advice. And you trust the people that you're surrounded with, your community, right? And every There's so many moms out there that all have expert advice to give. But for me, I was so thankful to be able to do my certification at the same time. So I started to learn what questions do I ask? When I was looking for the doctor, what was the most important thing to me? It was someone who allowed me to practice birthing the way that I truly wanted to. And that wouldn't give me as much pushback, someone that wasn't very quick to cut. So I kind of just tried to silence the noise. And then once I got my husband to come take the class with me, and, and once we had our first class, his mind was like, okay, I get this now. I didn't get this. You know, he doesn't come from the same field. He actually works in medical devices. People in the prolapse field that know him very well were just saying different things to him. So then once he sat there and he saw exactly what I saw in front of me, there was no turning back for both of us. So I think finding that support is really, really important. Finding that circle, that safety circle, if it's one or two people that say, hey, this is your birth plan. This is what you want. Let's take the steps to get there and whatever was intended for you will happen. And I think that is so key because it brings it to what fits with you, 
and what is going to give you allow you to go into this experience from a place of safety and confidence and I've got this and this is this aligns with my beliefs wishes thoughts all the things as opposed to I'm doing this from fear which is what I find a lot of the what we know culturally about birth comes from fear and why Mm -hmm. which is my favorite part it is so easy to kind of couple that fear once you get the information mm-hmm. and you inform your intuition and like your husband did. He went to one class and went, yeah. oh, it's not a big leap <laughs> to understand this makes sense, right? Why have no. I thought the other? Yeah. I think the biggest piece of advice I got was train for birth like you would train for a marathon. You wouldn't just show up on marathon day and run a 26 mile race. So how do you train for it? How do you learn? How can you grow? What resources do you have so that you can have the optimal birth? And of course, everyone's birth experience is so different. You know, again, at the end of the day, it's a healthy baby, but I think knowledge is power. It's such a cliche thing to say, but know your options. Yeah. And and figure out what works best for you. We are not knocking yes. epidurals. Yes. We're not knocking mm-hmm. cesareans. No. We're not doing any of that. But we know there's a trade-off and every choice has consequences, good and bad. So mm-hmm. you there's fortunately lots of options for you and nuances. And then there's the thing about the baby having their own ideas and circumstances having their own mm-hmm. ideas. So a lot of flexibility to be required. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as mothers too, it's like judgment-free zone. You know, the pressure that we have today is really, really heavy, especially because everything we see on social media and the perfection and the idolization of what new motherhood should be, um, it makes it so much harder. I love all your preparation and really getting down into it and finding what was going to work for you and what was aligned with your wishes. So then fast forward, it's maybe time. How did you know (laughs) that things were starting? And the morning I was, I didn't know I was going into labor because I was about two days before I was my due date. I started, I was nauseous. So we went out for bagels and we were sitting there and I just felt a wave of nausea. And my mom had an inkling, but we didn't say anything. And my husband, he just like walked me around for two weeks straight, just trying to walk me as much as possible. So we went out on the boat. I wanted to swim in the ocean. And by the time we got back that night, I started having like period feeling cramps. So it was about 5.30 and I started to feel, okay, this feels different than Braxton Hicks. So I reached out to my doula just to let her know. And she gave me some advice and some guidance and we had the app ready to go. So we were tracking them. We ate dinner. We went up to bed. She just said, try to get some rest and see what happens. So we did just that. And around eight or nine o'clock, I really started to feel like, okay, this is real, but no one can help me right now because the pattern is so mismatched. They're not super painful. They're just dis- like uncomfortable. So I actually left my husband and my mom in bed sleeping <laughs> and went downstairs and watched Sex in the City. And it, it was raining outside and I was just pacing back and forth. And then when the waves started to get really, really heavy, it was probably about 10 or 11 at night. So then it was just my headphones went on. Um, I had practiced two, two hypnobirthing tracks, one mantra track, and then one relaxation track. And we just, my husband and I woke him up and he was in contact with the Ayana, my doula. And then we went shower, tub, bed, shower, tub, really the hot water was really, really, um, so soothing for us. And I got sick quite a few times, but again, because I knew that right before, you know, things progressed, you would either go one way or the other. So there was never a feeling of fear. 
And I think that was so amazing, even looking back on it, because there were moments where I was like, this could get really scary or really painful. And at one point I did, I, I, I said to my husband, I was like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I was like, please don't be disappointed if I need to get an epidural. You know, it's that moment, the pressure that we put on ourselves as women and moms is far and away that you could be mid, you know, contraction and thinking this or saying this. So around 3am doula came over and she just, Ayana is, she's just a real life warrior woman. And she got me dressed and we were swaying back and forth. It felt like we were at the hospital in 10 minutes. It was a 30 minute ride to the hospital. By the time I got there, um, the power of the breath is incredible. I was seven centimeters dilated. They got me right in the room. My water hadn't broken yet, but, um, I actually at that feeling felt like I had to go to the bathroom. So I went in the bathroom. My mom was holding my hand. My husband was holding my hand. The tub was getting filled up and this was in a hospital setting. So the four of us kind of worked in tandem right before I felt like I had to put, oh, my water broke naturally about 30 minutes before he came. Were you in the and tub she put, I wasn't in the tub then. I was just on the, on the, on the toilet. I felt like I was going to have to go to the bathroom. So the pressure started okay. to build. And so you never got in the tub. <laughs> That, I did. Okay. I did. But at the very end, um, they actually put me on a peanut ball, which was the, the, probably the worst part because I started shaking. But at the same time, I had a girlfriend who told me, she's like, right before he's ready to come out, you might start convulsing. And I was so thankful that she reached out. It was like a distant friend that I haven't spoken to who had a home water birth. And she was like, you're going to start shaking, but just know that that's when your baby is coming. So oh my goodness, I'm so, right after. I'm so glad you brought that up because I will put it on the show notes. I will link to an episode that I have okay, with Leslie Everest on the nature of the shaking of labor and how it's a protective mechanism of your body and how and that it will happen probably also during postpartum, like those immediate postpartum. It is annoying yeah. because it's not like you're cold or not. It's just you're shaking and can't stop. It's lit- yes. And I, I had no idea about this. So from there, we got into the, the birthing tub. It was five or six pushes and I, the pain was there. I can't remember it for the life of me, but before I knew it, he was in my arms and, you know, feeling alive and awake and we had our magic hour right away and he just to see him crawl up and start feeding. It was, it was magic. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids. And then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to. And then also remembering that say aunt Helen only does email. So you need to send her image separately Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. 
So to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. With Mother's Day coming up fast, are you looking to get your mom, grandma, or mother figure a gift that they'll actually love? You know, something that is treasured instead of dying out or collecting dust? If so, you need to know about mylifeinabook.com, which is a service that helps turn their life stories into a beautiful book that can be passed down. How amazing is that? And the process couldn't be easier. Basically, if they can use email, they can create their book. Every week, My Life in a Book will send them an email with a prompt question to get them started. And if they don't like the question, they can easily edit it or change it. We gave a My Life in a Book to a family member that always wants to document all family get-togethers through images. And let me tell you, the process of sending the gift was super simple, even letting us choose the date we wanted the gift to be sent. I'm so looking forward to discovering stories about her youth, her adventures, and the challenges she has overcome. And since My Life in a Book lets you add an image with each answer, she can now share the story that goes along with her many photos. Another great thing is that the answers can be edited at any time before the book is printed, in case she wants to add anything else. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 10% off today. And there's so much to learn around that golden hour as well because you Mm -hmm. think this baby needs to come out and as soon as they come out, come to the chest and start feeding. We have to get that working. And it's really... You got to slow down to their pace. Mm-hmm. And if you, but if you let them do it, it can take a whole hour. That's why it's called a golden yeah. hour. It can take a whole hour, hour for them to get that instinct. But if they start showing signs like go on their cue, which is a perfect way to start postpartum because you just need to observe and follow their cues. Yes. No, it's so true. I mean, that they just kind of left him and they literally wiggle their way up. It, it's like once he got up there, they helped latch him but it was amazing and we did say no to the eye ointment right away because I didn't I wanted him his eyes were open and and working and he was able to come right up and he lashed and he fed well and then we um did the eye ointment a little bit later after our hour was done um but it's nature knows what to do if you allow it Right. And and if it somehow is interrupted or doesn't get to happen, that rhythm doesn't happen, there's always, because we're so resilient, you can always recreate it later and have yes. those neurons fire and that instinct be re, yeah recreated so that baby mm-hmm. gets it. So I love the fact that, yeah, if you can get it right away, go for it. But if it doesn't work there, you get do-overs. <laughs> Yep. There's plenty of do-overs. I think I got a do-over every other day in those first couple of months because it's necessary. So Taylor, your baby's on your chest, but there was a lot that happened before that. And it happened quite quick. Like, wait, I'm trying to do my timeline here. You started getting period-like cramps at 530. 
the night before. When was he born? 620. So it was basically 12 hours. Yeah, it really wasn't. And they didn't rev up until like, I'd say 10 or 11, where they really, I needed help and I needed support. Mm -hmm. So we were very lucky for the first one. Yeah. And so during that time, because I know you got to the hospital at seven, and this is where you had been working with your breath and really being in focus and staying on top of it with on top of your contractions, your sensations with your headphones, with the the hypnobirthing track that you had on. How did you were you able to stay in that zone and go deep and not be distracted by everything happening in the hospital once you got to the hospital? Just like anything, practice. We started um, hypnobirthing every single day and night around month five. So my husband and I did it together before bed every night. And then I would do kind of every other day during the day, just because I didn't know when I was going to go into labor. So I wanted to not just make me fall asleep, but be able to fully relax during the day and then come out of it. So practice, practice, practice as much as possible. And then the headphones were like noise canceling. So I was able to literally let everything go. And I actually had an eye mask on because when we got to the hospital, it is tough in a hospital setting, the bright lights, it's not conducive to, um, you know, birthing naturally. So once I was out of the hands of, Hey, let's check you. They didn't realize I was so far along. So that was kind of the worst part of it. When I first started to get checked in, they need me to sign paperwork and they didn't realize how progressed I was in the labor because I was kind of so calm and in the zone. Um, so really just practice, 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 using that breath, using the J breath, deep inhalations. And that's also going to benefit the baby as well. Just practicing that deep breathing. And if for the life of me, and I know this is probably built in for all women, you just, you forget the discomfort, you know, you forget after all this time, but I, I, I know there was discomfort. I know that there was pain, but I remember more powerfully the breath. Mm -hmm. and utilizing that. And I think that is huge because we are so obsessed with the sensation of pain and what we see in the movies and in on TV and think, okay, if I needed to scream that loud, which isn't to say that it, it's not intense sensations, it, <laughs> they are seeing very intense <laughs> sensations. Like I'm not, this is not, it's probably the most intense things you'll, you'll ever mm -hmm. feel. However... Because pain is such a subjective thing. You can learn, as you said, practice how to have ways of distracting yeah. the mind yeah, for, from that sensation. I would do yeah. it a lot in my workouts, too. I would use visualization. And um, there was like, I would picture when the workouts got really, really hard, I would picture being in a field in like Tuscany, you know, kind of like if you ever seen the gladiator, just that beautiful golden hour. And I pictured a weeping willow tree and I was holding my baby under this tree. And when it got hard, I, I would literally close my eyes and go there, or I would go to the clouds. Those are the two places I would go. And you start to get to this place of training yourself. And, and, and it's almost like this meditative state. And then when you actually go into labor and it gets real, you have a source to pick from. But if I were a few weeks or a week before, be like, oh, I'm going to start using my breath and then try to birth, it probably wouldn't have had the same outcome. And I will link on the show notes also an episode I did on, on hypnosis mm -hmm. for birth. Mm -hmm. And 
because you do have to practice it. Like if you think that that tool is going to be in your toolbox and don't practice it, it's not going to be. And then you're going to feel like let down. I hear from a lot of people who've used hypnobirthing that it works to a certain point mm-hmm. and then things get super intense and they have to do something different. Mm-hmm. And so I always want to take it back to the physiological mm-hmm. aspect of it, meaning that birth is a mammalian process. And at some point, you're probably going to make these like really intense guttural Mm -hmm. uh, powerful noises and not think that because you're not being quiet and calm when you were expecting that from your early hypnobirthing practices that then you're like doing it wrong somehow no it's just that's part of it did you experience that as well did you end up having some guttural i did but i think they were more like from utilizing my breath as like, it was the deepest breathing I have ever done in my life. So it wasn't this like super visceral, like, ah, but it was like this, like just trying to force that breath down. <laughs> and, but it was, I was like, wow, it was almost like a vibration inward, if that makes sense. You know, it yeah. just, it felt like the most animalistic raw thing I've ever done in my life, but it just felt right. Yes. If we look at the physiology of it, we need to get into deeper brain waves mm-hmm. to to go into labor land, right? Like that's the labor land that mm-hmm. we talk about. It's not that you're in a trance or unaware, but you're just so internal and so deep into that and different kinds of knowing, mm-hmm. not just the thinking brain knowing that the more you practice doing that, getting out of the thinking brain, the more you can access that during birth and then things go faster yep. and smoother because you're not creating interventions or blocking it or staying away from there. And that's a skill that we don't have. We want to think everything (laughs) (laughs) and probably overthink it. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. I love hearing stories like this that have that testament of the importance Mm -hmm. of going deep and practicing what, because you see the results. Now, what was the hardest, most tough part of this experience for you? About two weeks after he was born, everything just felt terrible. Tell me <laughs> you know, more. It's, I will. Um, you know, postpartum, he fed right away. So I didn't have those issues. He, my body, there was no tearing. So I didn't have those issues emotionally. And we were on the verge of moving cross country to California, um, when he was 90 days old. So I had this kind of impending doom. I also am an overachiever. Obviously birth was tackled. Pregnancy was tackled. I was going to tackle postpartum life the same way. My baby proved me wrong. He was extremely alert. I'm very hungry. And I cried a lot. And it got to the point where, and my husband also travels for work. And and once my mom left, I felt myself, I was alone. I was supported obviously in the home and when my husband was home, but the second he was gone, I just started to become overwhelmed. I loved my baby, but I wasn't this earth shattering in love that everyone told me I would experience the second I held him in my arms. He was my child, he was my flesh, but I was surviving at that point. And I actually made a stop back at Amazing Births and Beyond. And I'm so grateful for the owner there because she said, Taylor, I know you're used to going 200 miles an hour. She goes, I need you to go home and get in your pajamas and live in your bubble for at least the next two weeks. And it was the best advice I got because all of a sudden that wall came crashing down where you energetically are just so depleted. 
I didn't have time to cook. I didn't have time to nourish myself the way that I was used to. I was crying. I was surviving. And I tried to be very transparent about that with my community because I think all we see is just how wonderful everything is. And breastfeeding was great, but he ate a lot and he ate around the clock and I had no time for me and I had deadlines to meet. And it was just this demand that I couldn't keep up with. But I am happy to say that he just turned two and I have finally found my stride, but it took me almost this full two years to feel confident in my skin again, to feel happy. And, and we are so in love (laughs) to the point where like the second I see him in the morning, there's nothing else that I want to do, but squeeze him and love him and bond with him. So to the moms out there listening that might be in that phase or that season, just give it time and go get help. I did talk to my doctor when we first got to California. I wanted to be screened for postpartum depression. I had the worst anxiety I've ever had in my life. I mean, to the point where I was vibrating on a completely different level and felt like I couldn't catch my breath. And that was something that I'll never forget. And the next time around, I'm going to ask for more help and I'm going to take the time off that I need. And if I don't fall in love with the next one right away, I'm going to say it's okay because I know what's on the other side. And there's all these expectations. And then that's it. Like we've started to, quote unquote, tear down the expectations around birth and are giving ourselves permission to do it in so many other ways. And then in this postpartum period, we've got this thing of I'm going to get my body back and bounce back and all these things that are back. And that really does not honor the immense transformation, physical, emotional identity transformations that birth and becoming a parent has in store for us. And we're like, oh, yeah, now it's just it's going to be me and baby and not understand that it's not you and baby. Mm-hmm. It's a new identity of symbiosis. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. And it, it rocks every aspect of your life. And it takes tangible work. But you can be like a phoenix and come out of it stronger and more empowered, a stronger family, a stronger marriage, a stronger foundation. Like, Everything can become stronger, but again, it comes back to the tangible work and just giving yourself grace and giving yourself time and getting help when and if you need it. And it's huge to prepare Mm -hmm. for it, which is, I'm I'm like, I'm so passionate about that. That's why I have Mm -hmm. a postpartum preparation course and the freebie for my my website is a postpartum preparation Mm -hmm. plan. Just like you prepared for birth as a marathon yeah. with and, and practice your breathing, you've got to prepare for the postpartum. You've got to get it set up because otherwise, the, well, like you said, the walls come crashing, crashing down and it just it tears down your identity. You feel a failure. Like that was my experience as well. So that was 100% my experience. I mean, I have an idea of what this question is going to be, your answer, but what would you change for the next time around if you have a next time around or what would you do differently? Definitely ask for more help. I don't think I did it enough because I'm so used to being so strong. And I think that's what women do. We just are fixers and we take care of things. So kind of setting my boundaries is going to become really important next time too. what I feasibly can and can't do and the help that I need, especially when you have a second, you know, at home, how do you balance your time, making sure that I'm taking the time to nourish myself doing those check-ins and then talking to my doctor again if these feelings start to come Mm -hmm. up again. How are you going to practice asking for more help? Doing it now. 
<laughs> it, it honestly, it already started. And, and it, you know, I think it sounds silly, but I think quarantine changed a lot of things for a lot of families. All of us have slowed down and forced ourselves inward and, and are really, you know, for my husband and I, we took time to just re- reassess our values. What, what are going to be our values moving forward? And I think especially for fathers, because we forget that fathers, yeah, so much changes in our life, but a lot changes for them too. And honestly, I love men. I love you guys out there listening. They're not as equipped as women to deal with change. And I think getting them to find their role earlier is very important because everything I would just be like, oh, I I got it. I know exactly what to do, right? We know how to pack the bags. We know how to get ready for the next trip. We know what they need in our diaper bag. But if you don't tell them and you don't share that with them, then you get frustrated with them for not knowing. Yeah. And I'm going to push back on that a little bit because here's where I'm trying to make more change. I think we tend to assume that they can't handle those things, that they aren't as good at planning or packing. However, we have evidence that if it's something that they're interested in, they plan and prepare the heck out of that. So they Uh have the abilities, having those hard conversations and understanding Mm -hmm. how it is crucial for us to change our relationships. I think COVID has definitely brought that up for many people in the sense of just like we're looking for equity in our Mm -hmm. systems and asking of equity within everything in our worlds right now and why that is important, right? Let's eliminate oppression as much as we can. Mm -hmm. We have to have equitable relationships and understanding that the idea that we've allowed, because it goes both ways, of Mm -hmm. having partners say, well, I don't have to, like, have that subconscious of, like, really, I don't have to make the food or I don't have to clean the house and it's going to get done anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Where in our mind is like, no, it can't not get done. So I'll do it. Like that is a big safety net that we're providing mm-hmm. that is unequitable. I, I couldn't agree more. Taylor, as we close, what is one thing you want to leave parents listening out there with? that we Or did we miss something that you wanted to make sure we met God to? I think just living in the moment becomes really important. I think this time in our life is really showing us so much good, bad, ugly. Um, And I think a light bulb just really went off for me. Just my son woke up and he's two and the newborn phase, I missed it. (laughs) I have to be honest, the anxiety, the um, pressure, the constant feeling like I was a failure when really I was showing up for him every day. And I think just giving yourself some grace and leaning into the moment is the most powerful thing you could do for yourself and your child. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. If people want to connect with you and follow what you're doing, how can they do that? Sure. Um, I am always on Instagram. My name is Taylor Walker Fit, F-I-T. My blog is taylorwalkerfit.com. And there you'll find health, wellness, healthy recipes, um, and obviously fitness. And then if you want to train with someone, um, the app is called Ladder Teams. And you can train one-on-one with me and find a group and a community. And we also do pre-postnatal modifications for every workout. Very cool. And I will link in the show notes. Um, You also have more details of your story. Thanks so much for talking with me today. This was great. It was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me.
That was such a good story. And you know the experience that Taylor shared about the hospital staff not realizing how far along she was when they got to the hospital because she was so calm. That is something that I see happen to so many people that use hypnobirthing as a tool during labor. So if you are using self-hypnosis during your birth, it may be worth being, you know, a bit more vocal when you're getting admitted to the hospital so things move along a little faster. And while you're practicing your breathing during pregnancy, make sure you also practice asking for help. Like everything else, the more you do it, the easier it will become. Whether you do self-hypnosis, guided visualizations, or follow a meditation practice, any of these tools can be super beneficial for you during pregnancy, labor, postpartum, and even if you're working on getting pregnant. So if you want to do something for yourself today, download a meditation or birth hypnosis app and get practicing. If you are a person of color, the Liberate app is a meditation app created specifically for Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities. And... That is something that you can do for yourself. Get a meditation app, start practicing. Something you can do for the rest of us is to support the work of the Holistic Life Foundation, which is a foundation that empowers communities through yoga, mindfulness, and self-care practices. Their website is hlfinc.org. For even more resources, remember to check out the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com. Birthful was created by me, Adriana Lozada, and is a production of Lantigua Williams & Co. The show's senior producer is Paulina Velasco. Virginia Lora is the managing producer. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. Ka Hernandez contributed to this episode. Thank you for listening and sharing Birthful. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and everywhere you listen. Come back next week for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.